Well, let's not go into that. There's some old customs in this place that a boy of your class in education don't want to know about. You're fairly right, Paul said. Bourgeois we Ramses are. If a policeman knocked on my door, I'd never feel easy with the neighbours again. Outside the mist was thickening, and the bobbing, gyrating masts had become hard to see. You had a right rave up with Captain Bly. He was okay, Paul said. A touch of pepper when he noticed Frank Devere. He objects to his surname, thinks it's far too good for him. So that is. Devere's was great people in these parts once, the cream. I could tell the commander, Paul said, something funny about his own name, but he probably knows it. Prike, Harry pondered. What's funny about Prike? A few years ago, Paul said, I was going through some parish registers for a paper I was writing. In one village I found two families that kept intermarrying. Their names were Prick and Balls. Oh, schoolmaster, Harry exclaimed. Go and wash your mouth out, boy. It's gospel truth. The village was Boxford. In mid-Victorian times, one family of pricks started spelling their name Prike, and by the end of the century they'd all done the same. Now, if you look in the telephone book, you'll find a lot of Prikes, but the pricks don't dare raise their heads. I don't think, Harry said, that your interests make you a very suitable person to have charge of the minds of our children. Paul looked surprised. You haven't any children? Have you, Harry? That was just a way of speaking, Harry said. But I think I have. I might have. One, from before I was married. That's why I ain't sure. You were married? Well, not for long. The divorce went on for years. The marriage didn't. But before that there was a gal I had a son I think was mine. I like to think he's mine. There's his name, Harry said, pushing up his sleeve. Tattooed on his forearm was a red rose with a label across the stem, saying, Paul. That's why I like that name, Harry confided. Paul stared at the tattoo. You're full of surprises, Harry, he said. What if it's me? Perhaps I was left on the doorstep of the bourgeois Ramses. Could be, for all I know, Harry said. I never seen him. She wouldn't let me. He'd be about twenty-five now. Not me, then. I'm thirty-one. Are you? Blokes with beards, you just can't tell. He looked at the beard with such candid affection that the younger man sheepishly smiled at him. Do you know what I think about your face? Harry asked. I think if I met you in the middle of the go-by desert, I should say, Excuse me, boy. Ain't you a Morris dancer? Paul spluttered into his beer. If that had come from any other man, he said, I'd call him a bitch. Harry merely beamed at him and shook his head. After a pull at his pint, he asked, grave now, are you comfortable in that old hoose of yours? All right, thanks, Paul said, sounding cagey. That's something big. Drafty, I should think. Drafty as arseholes. It's not too bad. Of course it's not. We were going to take years to get it civilised. That's rather come to a stop. That's sad. Still, that happened.
I get the impression, Paul said, that it's happened a lot in old Tornich. I've never seen so many deserted husbands and lifelong bachelors. I ask myself whether all these little pubs are cause or effect. I think that's the sea, Harry said. Seamen's marriages are often a bit dodgy-like. I put so much into that old wreck of a house, Paul said, and frowned down at a beer mat which he was twisting between his fingers. I thought about it all the time. I suppose I thought that we both thought that was the most important thing about us, that one day we'd sit in our Georgian house that I'd bought for a song and entertain our slightly bohemian, mostly school-teaching friends. And she was in the process of being...